Um, if you have your Bibles or phone devices or iPads, if you're into that kind of thing, um, we're going to be turning to Luke 1, chapter, uh, chapters 26 to 38. So I'll give you a minute to turn there. Great. If you're with me, say yes. Yay, the enthusiasm, great. Um, Okay, (laughs) I'll start reading then. So this is the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, ye who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since, well, I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, um, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from the Lord will ever fail. I love that. No word from the Lord will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, as we start to get ready for Christmas and Advent and all the busyness that's coming up with shopping and families, and Lord, we just take this moment to focus on you. God, it's all about you. And I just pray that as we focus on you, Lord, that you would just speak to us and inspire us, God, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite stories that I always seem to come back to is about a group of Bible college students from America. They were studying John Wesley, who was this reformer in England who saw great revival break out. And he would travel from city to city, preaching in fields, and hundreds of people would come to hear him speak and get saved. And so this group of really enthusiastic Bible college students were studying him with their professor and decided to come all the way to the UK to go to the museum of John Wesley where you can go inside his house. It's still there today. Um, They got to go into his kitchen and see where he would have eaten. They went into his study and saw the desk where he would have written his sermons and the books on the shelves where he would have got his theology from. They walked into his bedroom and there next to the bed they noticed these two markings on the floor. And the professor pointed out that is where John Wesley was known to pray not just for minutes not just for hours, but for days, so much so that the carpet had worn away where his knees would have been. The students went to get back on the bus, and the professor counted to make sure that they were all there, but he realized that one of the students was missing, so he went back into the kitchen to see if he was there, but he couldn't find him. He goes into the study, there's no one. He goes into the bedroom, and there, kneeling in the exact same place where John Wesley would have been, was this student, 
And his arms were open and he was praying, Lord, would you move again? And Lord, would you do it through me? The professor put his hand on his shoulder and said, come on, it's time to go. And in that moment, Billy Graham stood up and guess what? God did go on to do it again. Would we be the kinds of people who are willing to pray, Lord, would you move again? And Lord, would you do it through us? And as we look at the story of Mary, I want to challenge you that maybe her story isn't so far from ours. See, Mary was called to physically carry Jesus into the world. But if you are a Christian in this place, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so you carry Jesus into the world wherever you go. So how do we respond to this call? Mary responds in faith through less than ideal circumstances. As we zoom out from the passage, we can see that God has been silent for 400 years. And we come to the text in a particular moment of darkness because we're under the reign of of Herod, who was like a Hitler-type figure. He was known to to murder members of his own family. He uh, massacred loads of infants in Nazareth. And so in this moment of particular darkness... In the tiny town called Nazareth, where there is nothing, God is on the move. And suddenly we get these two angelic visitations, one to this elderly couple who respond in faith, and one to this young, um, who respond in doubt, and one to this young um, virgin, this single virgin who responds in faith to to this calling. I picture the scene like this. Mary is at home. She's living with her parents. She's engaged, but in their culture, um, being engaged, it's almost like being married, but not quite. And so it's like this year of preparation that you go through. So I imagine her living with her parents. She's excited to be somebody's wife. She's probably got all her Pinterest boards ready. She's deciding what kind of hashtag she wants to use on Instagram. And as she's getting ready and she's excited for the wedding, Suddenly this angel comes to her and she's greatly troubled by this. I mean, I would have a few questions if an angel randomly appeared to me. I would be terrified. But the angel says, don't be afraid. You have this calling on your life. God is calling you to have a baby that is going to be a miraculous conception. It's going to completely turn her life upside down. And yet Mary prays this prayer, her own version of, Lord, would you move again and would you move through me? She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Growing up, I used to live in Spain and the image that we used to have of Mary was almost like a statue-like figure, like very serious and almost not really that human. But let's humanize her for a moment. Let's look at what the cost would have been. She risked being stoned by her community. She risked losing her husband, Joseph, who was a good guy, probably something she'd been dreaming about for a long time. She missed being ostracized. There's no way around it. This was putting her in great danger. And yet the angel describes this calling as great favor that Um, through following God, despite it disrupting all her plans, despite it making her maybe quite uncomfortable, that this is God's favor, that God was calling her to something so much greater than what she ever could have foreseen for herself. You see, in the Bible, it talks about through how through Eve, sin comes into the world, but through Mary, um, the Savior was born, and she gets to be part of God's great redemption plan. 
I want to chat, talk to us today about three things this tells us about calling. Number one, God uses ordinary people. People in the Bible never look like how you think they should look. And I'm really thankful about this. Um, I find it quite inspiring. You see, Noah was a drunk. Moses was a murderer. Peter denied Jesus. Jacob cheated. Elijah was moody. Thomas doubted. And Lazarus was dead. Today I want to challenge you, what have you talked yourself out of that God is calling you into? Mary wasn't anyone special. She didn't have any big name or any big background um, to her, but God chose her anyway. It's not about us. It's not about us qualifying ourselves through the things in this world that we think qualify us. It's about looking at what God has called us to do. And I want to challenge you that God doesn't just call us to do difficult things. But actually, I believe he calls us to do the impossible. See, a pregnant virgin, that wasn't possible in human standards. There's no way that could have happened unless it was through God. And I find that really encouraging because in the calling that I feel God has placed on my own life, it just doesn't seem possible. I don't know if you can ever relate it to that, but for me, for example, I had a fear of public speaking. I remember being at school and like panicking on stage and getting really nervous and then um, had this innate fear of speaking in front of people. And then when I was 14 years old, um, I got baptized and part of me getting baptized meant that I had to share my testimony in front of the whole church and it was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> but I was like, God, I want to offer you the little that I have. And I did it. And in that moment, I felt God was calling me to spend the rest of my life telling people about what he'd done for me. And it just felt impossible. And there were all these moments where I was being given these opportunities. And I thought, God, this is just a big mistake. <laughs> like, what is going on? But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Because the beautiful thing is it was never about us anyway. And so if you don't feel like you can do something in your own strength, that might be the exact place where God wants you to be. Number two, God prepares us. There will be moments in your life where only you and God know what's going on behind the scenes. How will you wait in the unknown? I feel for Mary because there was a time where Joseph wanted to divorce her and I'm sure that everything felt very uncertain. The Bible didn't tell us exactly what happened, but I imagine the conversations behind the scenes and the arguments and the tears of Joseph, don't go, but she doesn't stay to convince him. God's calling over her life. It's not up for debate. Instead, what she does is she goes to Elizabeth, the one person in the world who will understand what she's going through. And what they do together is they worship. They worship. And there's another contrast here because Lazarus, Elizabeth's husband, he also sings a song of worship. But it's interesting to note that he only sings it once the promise has come. Whereas Mary, she sings it while she's still in the waiting room. And so if you're waiting, if you're in a season of waiting in this moment, I want to challenge you. Will you worship God in the waiting room? Will you be securing God's promise before you've ever seen it come to birth? When only you and him know what's going on and only you and him can be excited about it. Will you trust God in that space? And finally, God uses people who say yes. 
angel, the angel tells Mary not to be afraid twice. And I think that's because fear is such a big stealer of destinies. Often when God is calling us to do something bigger than ourselves, the first thing that we feel is fear because when we're out of our comfort zones, that's the one place where we grow, where we see God move, but there requires a level of faith in order to step into that place. And so the angel is like, don't be afraid. And I don't think that means that we're not going to feel fear, but there's times in the Bible where it says, don't be afraid, but actually what it means in the original language was don't run away. And I love that because I feel fear all the time. But I've said to God that no matter what I'm feeling, I'm just always going to say yes. Even if I'm shaking and my knees are knocking and it's terrifying, I've made the decision to always say yes to God because I don't want to be comfortable. I want to pray, God, would you move again? And Lord, would you lose, use the little that I have and do it through me? Um, I'm going to bring Tim up for an illustration. Hopefully this works. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I am... Um, I saw this preach online. Ooh, okay, Tim, let's see how this goes. <laughs> Can you get the, that side? Yeah, there we go. I saw this preach online, so I've totally stolen this illustration from Francis Cham, um, who is amazing. <laughs> um, but he talks about, oh, I don't know. Let's see. We didn't rehearse this before. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> but basically, he talks about um, this timeline of life. Um, can we, yeah, is that all right? Great. <laughs> so often, a lot of us don't really have an eternity mindset. So we're very focused on this, mo this part here, which I don't know if you can see. But this part represents the time that we have on Earth. And I want you to see how tiny it is in comparison with the whole of eternity. <laughs> and so what happens is a lot of us... <laughs> thanks, Tim. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us focus on this little tiny bit here and maybe being a little bit comfortable in these couple of years here and, you know, I don't want to leave that job because I, I need the finances to go on this holiday over here. <laughs> but the reality is it's so small in comparison with the rest of eternity. And I just think when I get to eternity, I would hate to look back at this time and to think, what could God have done? What could God have done if I'd been willing to say, Lord... You can have all of this. It's actually so small when we think about it. Thanks, Tim. That was amazing. <laughs> and so I wanted to invite us tonight to answer the question, Lord, are we willing to be uncomfortable? Are we willing to let you overthrow what we thought our lives might look like? Um, and so I'm going to welcome the band up. And I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to welcome Tim up.